Welcome to Roll with Adventure, a Dungeons and Dragons 5th edition podcast that transports you through the power of imagination from our world to the far off world of Ibris, a land full of heroes and villains, the evil and the divine, monsters, miracles, and, of course, magic. We're delighted to bring this adventure from our imagination to your ears. If you like what you hear, please subscribe for future episodes and follow us on social media. If you want to learn more about us and this podcast, or preferably both, please visit us at RollWithAdventure.com. And now, let's listen as our heroes roll with adventure. Hello and welcome to Roll With Adventure. This session's campaign is of shadows and bliss. My name is Cass, and I'm the dungeon master for this ragtag band of heroes. Today, our journey into this tale of adventure, intrigue, secrets, and magic across the world of Ibris continues. This session begins in the afternoon of Scalum, the 14th of Lyonnais, in the year 1083 PR, with the party and their newfound ally split for reconnaissance. Reconnaissance into a possibly revealed safe house, belonging likely to the Cult of Bliss. Now, before we dive right in, let's meet our band of heroes. To decide the order of introduction, let's roll player initiative, not character. And remember, here, we roll with adventure. So, how dexterous or not have each of you been this past week? Okay, I've been saving up this story, and I'm very excited to tell it. My, We have a hedge in our front yard, and it's like a big, tall laurel hedge. And it is much taller than I am. And my dad came and helped me trim a bunch of the bushes in our front yard to kind of get things tidied up for the winter. And we didn't have a ladder. So we were able, I had like a little two-step step step ladder and my dad was able to reach most of the hedge and it looked really good. But then when you stood back from it, you could see in the middle of it, there was just this little tuft of branches growing up much taller than the rest of the hedge. And I thought it looked really silly. So what I decided to do was climb up the hedge and that mostly worked. My dad kind of helped me clamber up without falling off. And it's like sort of a sturdy hedge, I guess. Like the inside branches are quite big. I was tall enough to get part of the the tufts, but I didn't get all of them. So I decided to go what I have decided to term hedge swimming. I'm not a very big person, so I just kind of like spread out my body weight as much as I could and kind of floated on top of the hedge. I I sunk through quite a bit of it, but I did not fall through into the middle of the hedge or anything. I managed to cut the last of those little pieces and get down without any scrapes or bruises, and it was a lot of fun. So I'm going to take a plus two for not destroying the hedge, not falling out of the hedge, not injuring myself while trimming the hedge. I I think it did well. So I have had both sets of grandmothers at my work for the last two weeks, which they are both lovely people, but there is absolutely no reason why there should be five plus adults for two children. So it's been just the worst. And today I only had the two grandchildren. Everyone else was off because it is technically a holiday, even though I did work. And it was just like, yeah, why am I here again when there are literally five other adults to take care of these kids? And they don't want to be with me. They want to be with their grandparents, except, of course, also, like, they don't want to be with their grandparents because there's too many of them. 
And it was just a chaotic and weird sort of day. So I'm going to take a flat neutral for not having any brain power left. I'll just give myself a plus one because I actually packed before I came down this last weekend. Uh, last time I rushed it, this time I did not. Sorry, I accidentally pushed Yoda's head and he's been... And there he is. <laughs> I accidentally pushed Yoda's head. No, shut up! <laughs> I accidentally pushed Yoda's head, and so he's been talking to me this whole time. And I was like, oh, I'll unmute when he does his third thing, so it, it's finished. Anyway, clearly that didn't work. So I was going to tell a story about how this weekend when we went shopping, I somehow managed to step into an invisible puddle and get water into my shoe. Uh, but then just now, I was trying to like use the can of air to blow up my keyboard in the process. I tapped my baby Yoda head. And he's electronics. We just started talking to me. I was originally only going to say minus one, but given my double incidence of being clumsy, I'm just going to take a minus two. Let's see what you roll. I got a seven. I got a six. I got 12. I rolled an eight. My total is six. Oh, that's a nat one. We're off to a good start. I've lost a ladybug and rolled a nat one. So that's a three. Hey, everyone. My name's Corey, and I'm playing Andre Rostam Thomason, who is a paladin of the Order of the Commons. And a fun fact about him is he actually grew up as a mason before joining the city watch in Odeonville. I hope I said that right. Hello, I am Sasha, and I play Faileth, the half-elven bard who was raised by and can speak to ghosts. My fun fact about Faileth this week is that Faileth has a birthmark. It is a wine-stained red mark that looks kind of like a puddle that's just been jumped in. But I will not tell you where it is. Perhaps it will come up someday. Or maybe not. Maybe it's just in an embarrassing place. But you won't know. It's my mystery. Very mysterious. I know. Hello, my name is Brian. I am at Mind Over Brian on both Twitch and on Twitter, but on Twitch I spell it with a zero. And I am playing Melian Barebone, the changeling barbarian who pretty consistently looks like a bearded half-elven young man with a scar along his face, drags up his cheek, and cuts around to nick his ear. A fun fact about Melian today is that I think I've mentioned that Melian has a brother and that his family chased him out of his uh, ancestral home because um, he was uh, not developing the way they wanted him to. But what I don't think I've mentioned is that that brother was his twin, uh, identical twin. Hello, my name's Allie. I'm playing Quarry Anaclathy Bostukbase, a Goliath Paladin. And Kawari has been gone from the North for so long that their memories of the people there are hazy. The thing that Kawari remembers the most is the beauty of the circumhorizontal arcs that would sometimes appear in the sky. Rainbows pull at Kawari's heart, and they pull their mind towards the North. And Faileth is very glad, or should be very glad, that we're not in the North, because Faileth would really hate that. She would. She ate it so much. <laughs> yes. I wonder where our adventures will take us after Dwemer Hollow. Now that everyone has introduced themselves, let's get this adventure rolling. And remember here, we roll with adventure. Wow. I almost forgot I had to do that. 
(laughs) (laughs) That was a really good one. I feel very old-timey Western, and I'm hoping that what this means is that the cavalry is going to be coming to assist us with this difficult situation that we're about to find ourselves in. Or will the enemy's cavalry arrive? No! That was a very triumphal positive song, Cass. I just want you to take note. Wasn't anything sinister there. The subtle influence works less well if you point it out. (laughs) I'm just telling Cass how I think this episode should go. (laughs) Our session begins with our party split by perhaps 20, 30 feet. But each group are presented with two distinctly different vistas of sights and sounds. Outside of this dismal abode, Andre, the only one truly keeping watch externally, is presented with a dingy street in Lower Dockside. In the distance, just barely over the din of Dockside's denizens, can the soft burble of the darkling river be heard. Andre, you stand in front of the house, your eyes constantly scanning the street for threats while Kawari focuses their senses inwards upon their connection with Carlin, who is draped around Fela's neck. Before we move into the house and what your temporary companions have just heard, Andre... Please, roll me a perception check. Eighteen. Across the street, a door slightly opens. You see a figure look out. A figure that clearly notices both you and Quarry outside of this house. The door is quickly closed. A few moments later, an upstairs curtain quivers. Your activities have not gone unnoticed. Within the house, Faileth, Melian disguised as Faileth, and Quarry piloting Carlin, you are presented with a much darker scene. Physically darker, that is. As the main floor of this home features not a single window. You have crept across squalid planks of wood, past two sets of doors, and now crouch or lay with your ear pressed to the floor near the end of the hallway, where sound echoes up from a space below. This room features two additional doors and a set of stairs that go upwards. Cobwebs and dust cling to the walls and ceiling, though the floor shows sign of recently being swept. A creak from the floorboards above alerts you that someone is moving about the second story of this house. Though, you press your ears closer to the floor, straining to hear the conversation beneath you. From beneath you, somewhere below the wooden floor, voices continue to speak. Yes, Witchmaster. Yes, we will keep watch for them. No one will disturb what you have planned. If they do, you will answer to the mistress. 
Lady Coldthought will not accept failure here. As this secondary individual speaks, his voice seems to change from an almost childlike one to one with the timber of a fully grown man. You hear the sound of stone grating upon stone, followed by silence. What will you do? You do not see any sign of stairs that go down, only the set of stairs that go up, though there are two closed doors off of this room, and two more in the hallway behind you. And somewhere in the house above you, someone or something is moving. We are certain that the voice was coming from below us. Sasha got a decent perception check as Faileth and thought that the sound was coming from underneath you. Yes, I did. Yes. You said the floorboards are decrepit, yeah? Yes, they are. Melian's <laughs> presuming that the stone rolling we heard was like some sort of secret passage closing. Melian's going to punch through the floor, <laughs> the rotten floorboards. Give me an attack. That is a 24. <laughs> I rolled a 19 plus 5. Cup questions. Are you keeping Faith's form as you're doing this, or are you adopting your larger form? And are you striking it just with your fist or with anything else? Uh, and I'm not changing my shape. Uh, although I guess I'm inside now, so I could. Yeah, I'll flip back to like regular, to, to regular Melian. And then, no, I'm just using my my fist. Because <laughs> my plan is to punch through the run wood, pull up a board, and then drop through. You punch through the rotten floor, and you break through the floorboards that are covering this, and you can see that there is some kind of cellar down there that is lit with candles. And as your fist goes through the f- through it, there is a yelp from down there. Shit. But you can most certainly pry up a floorboard. With your fist through the hole that you've made, you can't see anyone down there, though. Well, in which case, I, having heard some noises, I shoot a significant glance at Faileth, then pull my hand out, use both arms to rip the floorboard out, and then drop down with a, with a barbarian yell, like, Aah! Damn, I look good when I do that. As Melian is doing this, Faileth, what are you doing? Faileth is going to wait and see what happens. Kuari, as this happens, you're perceiving everything from Carlin's perspective. Carlin would definitely drop through the hole, either depending on how long Melian paused, either trying to squeeze through the tiny hole to get down there or drop right after Melian. Probably while Melian is peeling up the floorboards, you can drop down. Would you like to do that? I would. And my intention is not to, like, attack anybody, just more so that Cory can see who's down there. So if we lose the, the Witchmaster, we know who we're looking for. Can I please have everyone roll me initiative? I got a 16. Uh, 11 plus 2, 13. Andre got a 9. I got an 8, and Carlin got a 7. Melian, you drop down into what is clearly a stone cellar of some kind. There are multiple metal grates 
along a couple of the walls, and you can see on the far side a ladder that goes up the side of the wall and continues up into a dark space. There's a couple different candles scattered around this room on various barrels, and there is two figures down here. One, a sort of hunched figure that has long, dark hair. It's matted in some places. They look quite gangly, but also very thin and emaciated. And then there is another figure, one that is holding a shield that is also that is in chainmail, and looks how to put this dangerous. Yes, they look like the far more dangerous of the two. <laughs> mm. And as you drop down, this is the sight that you take in. The two of them are probably about fifteen feet from you. This cellar appears to go through, based off distance, what you think is most of the house. At least most of the length of the house towards where Quarry and Andre are at the front door. They are about 15 feet from you. What are you going to do? I call out, where is the gnome? We were chasing a gnome, right? Yes, you were. The one in chainmail says nothing doesn't seem to be almost doesn't even seem to notice that you even said anything whereas the other one sort of pulls back sniveling there are no gnomes here lies and then I'll whip out my greatsword which is I puts me at a disadvantage but I mean doesn't I actually roll with disadvantage but is more intimidating than pulling out a javelin with your greatsword in hand I rush the chainmail guy that's a, ooh, that's a 23. That will most assuredly hit. Well then, he will take seven points of slashing damage. And I will say, we do not need to fight. Simply tell me where the gnome has gone. Your blade comes down, striking across the sky, and it cuts a small nick across it, across, like, denting some of his armor, probably bruising him beneath the chainmail. And as your blade goes across him, he flicks his sword up towards you. And as he does... Oh, you have two attacks. Oh, yeah. You have extra attack. <laughs> That's right. It's, we are that level. Uh, I crit. Oh. <laughs> okay. Uh, so he takes 15 more points of slashing damage uh, as I roll a 20. As you deal these two blows against him, he will whip his sword up towards you. And he makes two short sword attacks, and he got a 9 and a 17. Neither of which will hit me. You will successfully dodge or parry this individual's blows, but as you step close to him, you feel a disconcerting aura that emanates around him. Where your blade met flesh, you see the cuts beginning to knit themselves together partially. He makes a moaning sound, a slight muffled sound, his mouth twitching up, and between the slits of his helmet, you realize that his mouth is stitched closed. Ugh. The sniveling guy calls out, saying, Defend me! Kill him! 
Faileth, it's your turn. Well, I'm not going to let Melian have all the fun. I leap down the hole after him, yelling my war cry. And I say, that's right! We're twins and you're fucked! Am I within touch range? You can run into touch range. They're about 15 feet from you. The individual in chainmail is engaged with Melian. The sort of sniveling smaller guy is a bit off to the side. Oh, I'm definitely going for the snivelly guy. So I'm going to grab him and go, last chance. Tell us where your new friend is, or I'll suck your life out of your body. You see his eyes go wide as this little girl grabs him and utters this threat. He says, your blood, you will be the next one. Wait, don't say I didn't know. Uh, and I'm going to cast Inflict Wounds at a second level. Come on, big numbers. I don't want to seem like a wimp in front of this guy. That is a 12 plus 8, 20. Please roll damage. That is 40. And I do 29 damage. So you do massive damage to this guy. Jesus. I got two 10s, a 2, and a 7. My uh, spectral necrotic hand wraps itself around his throat and begins leeching black ooze into his body. And I said, I did. I bet he was so relieved when Melian didn't go for him initially and is really rethinking that now. (laughs) (laughs) As your hands grab onto him, the darkness just seething through them and across them and beginning to travel up his veins. He begins to twitch and cries out, I was promised eternity! And as he says that, his skin begins to flake and he crumbles to dust. Oh, shit, I didn't mean to... My bad! Yes, we're not questioning this one. As his his clothing just collapses to the ground, the other figure, the chain-mailed one, twitches a bit, and you see it begin it struggles and its mouth rips open the stitching. And it lets out a roar as it goes into some kind of rage at the death of this individual. Oh, gross. You're disgusting. Melly and kill him quick. These guys are weenies. Andre, it's your turn. Can you give me a perception check? Yes. Another 18. Well, 17 tonight. You heard what sounded like floorboards maybe being torn up? A roar? And then what sounded maybe like Faileth say something? Though I should probably remind you, Quarry is in a seemingly catatonic state, and her shield is fully blocking the door. Well, seeing as Andre was trying to get her attention, not knowing what she's doing, uh, and then hear that, he'll stand and be like, Uh, uh, Quarry? Are your companions okay? Uh, we'll hold my move action until she moves. 
Other question, so I know, how long has it been since we've been chasing this guy? It was ten minutes, ten minutes and for Faelith to get to the alleyway. It's probably been about a twenty-minute chase at most. Maybe twenty-five, once you guys had to, like, stop and meet up a bit. Okay, so it's safe to say my magic weapon's still active right now, because it's an hour long. Okay. With it being an hour long, you've been able to maintain concentration on it. Okay. Yep, and that's kind of what I'll do. I'll try to get Corey's attention and wait until she moves. And so, just so that I'm reading this right, you're readying your move action to run in and assess the situation. It'll be more of if Corey moves in, he'll move in behind her, is kind of what I'll do. Otherwise, he'll kind of just stand there and keep his eye on the building across the street. Kawari, it's your turn. Kawari's going to say, find Paradimos, and, like, my intention is that he's going to, like, Look for a door or a passage or a trap door or something, wherever this guy went. And then Corey is going to disengage their mind and say, they've found someone in the cellar. There's someone upstairs as well, but I, I don't know where the gnome is. But Paradimos, whom I seek, is in the cellar. And Corey is going to rush off in the direction that through Carlin's eyes they saw Faleth and Melian go. And then is going to drop. I don't know how far this is, so you just tell me when I've maxed out my movement. But we'll drop down into the cellar if they can get that far. My description at the beginning was that the party was split by perhaps 20 to 30 feet. Melian, we can say, was at about 20 feet when he ripped the hole in the floor. So you can use your full move to drop down into the cellar. I mean, I've just seen everything through Carlin's eyes, so I guess, can I... Hit this guy that Millian is fighting with. He is another 15 feet into the cellar. In that case, uh, can I use my action to uh, do a perception check to see if I see anywhere that uh, Paradimos could have gone? Hidden? Escaped? Go right ahead. Well, that's the best I've rolled tonight. It's not fantastic, but that's uh, a 13. Looking about as the fighting goes... You are presented with Melian fighting off against this guy, and you watch as the only person that was talking turns to dust in front of Faleth. As his dust scatters out, as if he perhaps had like nine hit points at most, you take a quick glance around the room. You note the ladder that goes up into darkness at the far side of the room. And then otherwise you see like there's a couple barrels, there's various candles all around, but you don't see any large stones that, that perhaps rolled in a direction. There's a couple different metal grates around. Like there's one on the floor in the middle. Uh, and as you're looking about, you notice that there are arcane markings scattered about this room. Uh, like painted on the wall, or? Painted on the wall, the floor. And is the grate big enough for somebody to go through, or is it just like a small drain? It's more like a small drain. Andre, you can dart in behind Kawari. Kawari jumps down into a hole in the floor. He would be confused with who this Paradigm guy is, uh, but she did mention that there was someone upstairs. Do I see any stairs further along down? On the other side of this hole, to the right, there are stairs that go up. If I hold my move, actually, I can still dash, right? Or is it just my regular move? 
It's just your regular move. Since they jumped down, I would like to move as far as I can start going up the stairs with my sword and shield drawn. You can get to the base of the stairs. Okay, and sorry, I'll draw my mace. This is kind of a close quarters. So I'll draw my mace instead of my longsword. So you are at the bottom of the stairs. And with that, we return to Carla. Excellent. Who hopefully is going to be more successful at looking? Is Carlin perceiving or is he doing minute investigation on one specific area? Perception is across a wide area. Investigation is the more focused one. But you need to select, say, like a wall or a quadrant of the room. So did Carlin hear or see enough to give him an idea of what direction he should start looking in? No, because the sound of the stone had already happened before the floorboards got ripped up. The only thing that you can keep in mind is that both the uh, dust did individual and this other person were at the far end of the room. Mm, okay, well, in that case, I will have Carlin do an investigation check on the far end of the room. Okay, so he's got a five. That is very unimpressive. A five. He is a bit taken aback by this, by the combat that's going on, by all the different sights and smells and sensations in this room. And with that... Let us turn to Melian, the top of the round. But as we turn to Melian, I will note this for Andre. You do hear not what sounds like one person moving upstairs, but now perhaps three. Noted. That bodes very well. What does Melian do? Because that guy can't talk. And that was the whole plan. Not really here to kill this guy. And the other guy just liquefied. So that's the thing. Yeah, I thought it could put up more than a feat. I definitely wasted a second little spell slot. Um, sure for sure. Melian yells, just point us in the right direction, man. Man hits him with his great sword again. I attack recklessly. Oh, jeez. With an 11 as my best attack. Your first attack will not hit. Yeah, I suspected that one would be case. 20. Dirty 20? Yeah, a dirty 20 for 7 slashing. You bring your blade down across him, and he just lets out that rage-filled, almost roar. As he does, Faileth, you see briefly the spirit of the person that you just killed sort of starting to form. And then they are sucked into that creature. Melian, that thing eats ghosts! Oh good, this was already a tense battle. Yeah, like, the ghost was of the dude I just killed, which, yeah, sorry, did not mean to do that. Didn't realize he was a giant bloody weak. But yeah, he was like, appearing like ghosts do, and then just Oof, sucked right into the demon chain mail guy thing. Faileth, that is terrifying. Please save your terrifying observations for when we are not in battle. Just figured you should know, just in case, you know. As that energy flows into this guy, some of the wounds that Melian did begin to seal up 
even more so than what it seems just passively be doing, leeching out from the people around it. Okay, note to self, don't use necrotic energy on that guy. And it will strike out with two blows. Both towards Melian, of course. And you attacked recklessly. So the first one, 18. I still miss. The second is, I got a one and a natural 20. Sorry, I was wrong. That actually won't miss because I'm not wielding a shield at the moment. So uh, the 18 will also You'll take four piercing damage for the first attack uh, and nine necrotic damage. And for the second attack, nine piercing damage and 15 necrotic damage. As he brings his blade down, you see that various runes along it glow briefly every time it connects with you. And then runes on his, on like, on his pauldrons, on his gauntlets, on his arm guards, on his boots, uh, even on his helmet, start to glow as well. Faileth, it's your turn. Okay, so Faileth is feeling a little conflicted, because she has a feeling if she does her necromantic crap on him, or her necrotic crap, excuse me, not a necromancer, uh, he will just eat it, and... That would be bad for everyone involved. She's going to say, okay, Malian, I think this one's yours. And cast Bane on it. Is that a wisdom saving throw? Charisma save. Oh, charisma. I'm sure this hell demon is great at that. Uh, well, it originally was a, it used to be a paladin. So its charisma is decently high, but I rolled a four. So there's no way that the bonus can be high. Needed a 16. So he now is baned on every attack roll or saving throw before the spell ends. He must now roll a d4 and subtract the number from the attack roll or saving throw. And I have that. He is baned for a minute. What does this spell look like for you? It looks like a little, an odd little ghostly creature, sort of like uh, Molgabeth, the protector, like a an odd amalgamation of a few different animals, mostly squirrel, that uh, leaps out of Faileth's hands and kind of clings to its face, putting its little ghost paws over his eyes so that he now can only see through ghost fingers. This little brightly colored ghostly squirrel that has the tail of a fish and has tiny little antlers coming out of its head clings to the front of this thing's helmet, probably chittering away. I am then also going to call upon my spirits because I can do mostly only necrotic damage, but maybe I can get something cool from them. Like, okay, guys, this thing is eating you, and I'm a little worried if I call one of you, it's just going to get sucked into that thing, but you're not, like, newly dead, so maybe it'll be fine, and I'm going to risk it. So I'm going to roll on my table here. And I get the D8 now, right? Yes. At level 5, your bardic inspiration increased to a D8. And I rolled a 1, so it doesn't even matter. Oh, it's the tail of the clever animal. I clearly have a feet going. Uh, for the next 10 minutes, whenever the target makes an intelligence, wisdom, or charisma check, the target can roll an extra die immediately after rolling the D20 and add uh, an extra dice number to the check. So, 
I am going to send another squirrel, this one less weird squirrel monster, over to perch on Melian's shoulder. And, like, it pats him reassuringly on the cheek. And that means, Melian, you can add a D8 to any any check. Intelligence, wisdom, or charisma. Because this animal's real clever. There's this small little squirrel. It's also brightly colored. It probably, maybe it doesn't have, like, a fish tail. But maybe it also has, like, a stripe from maybe a skunk or something. Its face maybe has, like, a little bit of, like, a hedgehog sort of nose that comes out. Uh, and... It's probably trying to give you advice in a language you don't really understand. So, mm-hmm. yeah. Go, my squirrel army. Boost my friends and take down my enemies. And as she grants this boon and provides this bane, we'll move upstairs to the main floor to Andre. You're at the base of the stairs. These are stairs that go up to a small landing, turn, and then go up again to the third floor. Okay. And I still hear them fighting behind me downstairs, or through that hole, I'm assuming. You just heard Faileth yell something about a squirrel army and a clash of weapons going on. You also heard an agonized dying scream as someone was atomized. Can I reliably block the stairs? Like, if I went to the landing, would that be enough to block anyone coming down? It is a five-foot square, so yes. It won't be the easiest for fighting on if someone did come down the stairs. But are you going to at least go up to the landing to see your the rest of the way up? Yep, let's start with that. So you move up onto the landing, and looking up, you're human, right? Yes. It's really dark up there. And there aren't really any, like, the main source of light you have right now is the door at the very end of the hall that Quarry broke in the last session. And the candlelight coming from the cellar below you. There's no windows on the first floor. Okay. Squinting up that way, you think that there's a door at the top of these stairs. Is there anything that looks like I could put a torch on? As you were coming up the stairs, off to one side, there was not a torch, but, uh, like, a candle holder with, like, a stub of a candle. One that's burned low, but has gone out. All right, can I take out a torch, light it? I think use act- use items in action, right? Yep, you can light a torch. And then I'll cut... Well, I can't really move much over there. So I wouldn't be able to light the candle this turn, but I could do it next round if I wanted. I don't want you to need to use multiple turns just to get light, so in this case... Just in this whole one turn, you're able to light the torch if you want to light the candle as well at the same time, or just light the candle, whatever works best for you. Okay, uh, I'll do that for this turn, because I, ideally I want to be able to put the candle somewhere where, well, I guess I would just catch the house on fire, but I was still doing it. Uh, kind of put the candle down somewhere so it wouldn't be impeding my shield arm. I want to try and keep my shield. You can sort of hold it behind your shield. How thick is your shield? You should just put it on the shield. Is that something that could be done? I didn't even think about that one. Turn the candle on the side, drip some wax on the top, then affix it to that wax. I have a mini, like, flame on the shield. Just don't move too quickly. You'll put it out. All right, now let's just do it this way. Uh, I won't do that. I'll just go to the landing. So I can't see anything. So I'm just going to stand there and I'll take the dodge action and go from there. You take the dodge action. You ready yourself in case that door flies open and anything comes flying down at you. Quarry, it's your turn. 
Melian is locked in combat with this armored figure who just dealt perhaps a rather serious blow to Melian, whose armor has, in the sections where it's full metal, runes have started to illuminate on it. That sounds bad. I'm going to move, if it's possible, to flank him with Melian. And then I am going to attack this whatever it is as well. Uh, with what weapon? How big is this basement? So the thing is, that will sort of decide your if you're able to flank him or not. If you're using a reach weapon, you won't be able to get enough distance uh, behind him to flank him. If you're using just a straight melee weapon, yes, there is a five-foot space behind him. Okay, I will use my father's war pick for the first time in this game. I knew I was keeping it around for a reason. Does a 15 hit? That will just hit. Oh, thank goodness. And I would like to use my Divine Smite. And that will be 19 damage. Nine of which was radiant, and the rest was piercing. And this creature does count as undead. Get to do an extra 1d8 if the target is a fiend or undead. So that will be two more radiant damage. Okay. And that was your first attack? 23 to hit. Oh my gosh, what a terrible roll. That's five piercing damage. But second attack. Kuari, you bring your father's war pick down. It glowing with soul's divine might. And it cleaves a devastating strike into the creature. The second one that blows you bring it down is less damaging. But still strikes true. It's Carlin's turn now. Carlin is just going to make a perception check. Carlin's going to be sort of like... I'm so confused. There's like nothing here. I don't know what I'm seeing. So they're going to be a bit more general and then maybe next turn they'll do an investigation check again. That's a six. Carlin is caught up in almost this sort of like miasmic glow that is exuding around this creature. Almost in this sort of like aura that is around it. And the pretty lights of your divine smite, Kawari. Alas. Melian, it's your turn. Melian will jam his greatsword into the ceiling and then shrug off his shield. Because clearly he's starting to take this seriously and draw his longsword and then attack. So that now I'm not, I got him on a lower AC. <laughs> AC increase! Da, 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 da. Uh, that is a 19 and a 12. So I'm attacking recklessly for a 22. So a 19 and a 22. Both will hit. And you don't need to attack recklessly because Kawari is flanking with you. Ah, awesome. In which case I don't. Four and seven is the slashing damage. So a total of 11 points of slashing damage. Not that I don't enrage yet because no one's in trouble. <laughs> four damage for one and seven damage for the other? It was. Four damage for one and seven for the other. Uh, all slashing. Oh, you know, he's probably, he probably has DR against things that aren't magic. I only have one magic weapon and I'm not using it like an idiot. Okay, cool. Just thought of that now. Cool. I will just keep going. 
you deliver a few more cuts against him, you see he is now bleeding in a couple different places, and in one spot, you see that he's bleeding a bit, like, almost like black blood, and in another, red. And the red is more over where you, like, where his heart would have been. And then you see as he begins his turn, not the same amount of healing as when someone died right next to him and he seemed to absorb a part of their death, but a little bit of minor healing goes on across him. And then, with his mouth open, through the tattered remains of his lips, he's going to utter a phrase. And the phrase, Melian, is going to catch you a bit off guard, because it is not uttered common tongue of the of the peace lands of southern Aventai. It is the tongue of the far north. A tongue you grew up hearing all around you. And he will say I was promised eternity. No one will stand in my way. And then as he says that, he also says another word, but the word sort of glances off your mind as if your mind doesn't really want to remember it. As if it wants to just let whatever this knowledge is pass it by and his blade will illuminate with a baleful fire. And with that, he is going to bring it down on you with two strikes. 23 for the first attack, and a 19 for the second. Wow, those will both hit. The 19 just there. Ah, even with your shield? Yeah, so specifically I went from 17 to 19 on that. You will take 4 piercing damage, 3 fire damage, and 7 necrotic damage. And then his second attack, which will not have any fire attached to it, Six piercing damage and four necrotic damage. Uh, this is going very poorly. As he cuts into you, he begins to almost start to sing. He's humming. He's humming a song that's from the north. A song that you know has been sung by those from Troltetfjord kingdoms. The various human kingdoms that are along the sort of coastal area of the northern reach where kings rise and fall and he is singing a song or humming it because he's not actually getting the words out for this that you know is a song about a great king who led his warriors to battle and with that Faleth, it's your turn um, Alien, do you want what? What do you want me to do? Some I help. Oh, crap! Um, I don't. I do inflicting wounds. I don't cure. Ah, uh, there is a potion in my bag. Just dump it in my mouth. Okay, I uh go and get the potion and dump it into Melian. And Sasha, so that you're aware of where, because I forgot to tell you, I got a one and a two for the Banes. Excellent. I had no doubt that you did. So you want to down a potion into his mouth? Yep. 
I am not a healer. Melian, which potion are you carrying? Carrying a potion of healing. So it's 2d4 plus 2. 2d4, you said? 2d4 plus 2. I rolled 4. So you get 6 points. All right. Faileth, as you push the potion up to him, uh, the little sort of spectral squirrel thing that's been chittering away grabs the other side of the potion bottle to try and help Melian down it. Thanks, Professor Whiskers. And today in our non-Euclidean geometry class. <laughs> Is there anything else you'd like to do with your turn? You still have your bonus action? I'm going to stick to his side then. Be like, we should like... Go find the others, probably? And admit defeat to this thing? I don't know that I can hurt it, though. I mean, I can try. But... I'm really worried if I... If I use my mojo... I'll make it stronger. Uh, I'm just going to... I've used my move, I've used my action. And I've still got a ghost active, so I'm just going to hang here with Melian. And with that... We... Andre, give me a free perception check just for listening to what's going on upstairs. Eight. There is a lot of sound coming from downstairs, and the sounds coming from upstairs don't really make sense. It almost sounds like maybe someone's undoing straps. And there's this sort of like crackly sound coming from upstairs crackly? Like something's creaking or break like a bunch of crack sounds? Like electricity. Okay. They're releasing Frankenstein's monster! This is this is how we die, everybody. <laughs> okay, so other question. Did I hear Melian say he needed help from where I'm at? How loud were you, Melian? I mean, I wasn't quiet about it. It, it depends on whether or not it's a battle, so we're, theoretically I'm not being conversational about anything. Melian's not roaring, as in, like, beast roaring, but he is definitely roaring as a person. <laughs> so, even though Andre is definitely worried about what's going on upstairs, he'll drop down the hole and take a, take a look at the situation. You drop down the hole, Melian with Faileth sort of clinging to his side and this weird glowing squirrel on his shoulder is fighting against this chainmail figure whose armor has is glimmering looks like it's almost glowing in some places and you can see Quarry's lumbering form behind it wailing on it with a pick and they are about 15 feet from you and we can say that yes you can cover that distance if you want to close in to attack this creature as well. Okay, uh, how bad does Melian look? If, if you were to imagine a scale, it's like a sliding scale of how healthy a person looked, and it went from 1 to 74, I'd be about a 17. <laughs> I was going to say like 10-20% health, but that works too. <laughs> so Melian and Faleth are standing next to each other, right? Mm -hmm. I guess that means there's no way I could stand with both of them at my sides, I'm guessing? No, you can either be on one side of Faileth or on the other side of Melian. Or you could try and force Faileth away from Melian, but she said she's sort of clinging. Clingy, 
a bit, holding to his side, maybe. At least hugging him. She's real spooked by the ghost-eating thing. Yeah, because this ate a ghost. It ate a ghost! That's not okay! <laughs> okay, so let's move to to the side of Melian and be like, uh, and I'll just draw my longsword while I'm moving uh, and be, I heard you were hurt. And then I will touch Melian and first of the divine through me, your servant, show us your mercy and compassion to heal these wounds. And I can cast cure wounds at level one because <laughs> I don't have any second spell slots left. And that was a pretty good one. Uh, you'll heal 10 hit points. Oh, nice. Thank you. And then he'll just face the chainmail guy. You turn to face it. It is wearing tattered chainmail that has been ripped and torn in places. Where it is cut, in most places it oozes a black blood. But over its heart, crimson red. On its pauldrons... Its gauntlets, its arm guards, its leg guards, and blazing on its helmet are these strange, almost fire-like runes that almost dance, trying to defy the way you look at them. That is what you are presented with, Andre, as you look up into this thing's face. That's slightly terrifying. Don't I recognize anything about these runes? I'm assuming not, but... No, you don't. But you do see that its mouth was once stitched closed. Stitches that have been ripped open. Stitches that now have leave this mouth tattered in pieces. From this, it is echoing a... Unsettling hum some kind of song. Kuari, you luckily aren't looking at this thing's face. Thank goodness. It's your turn. I should have thought of this earlier, but do I recognize any of the symbols? Symbols? No. You, like Melian, also being from the north, do recognize what it said. Oh, interesting. Okay, so I think what I'm going to do is I'm going to make an attack, and if it works, I am going to Divine Smite again. That's a 19. That will hit. Okay, so I'm going to use the Divine Smite, but I'm going to use a second level spell slot, so that means that in addition to the D8 that I roll for the War Pick, I am going to roll 4 D8 for the Divine Smite. Taking into account that it is an undead. That is correct. So that will be eight piercing damage, and then 17 radiant damage. Please describe the end of this creature. Having understood what they said, Quarry will say, You will not have eternity by soul. We will end you now. And Quarry will take a big swing with their pick and just, you know, bring it down on the top of their head and, like, I imagine it kind of crunches down into its shoulders in a very unpleasant rotten melon kind of way. As the glimmering war pick comes down on the head, it impales through 
the helmet and into the skull of this creature. And black blood is going to gush out of its mouth as it goes limp. The runes on it go dark. And then it will slowly slide off of the war pick, crumpling to the ground, helmet still affixed to the war pick. And Melian, this wasn't a human. This was a shifter. What will you guys do? You have a brief reprieve, it seems. Though, Andre still knows that there are sounds coming from above. So, how bad does Melian look right now? Would you like to do a medicine check? Sure, I'm not good at those, but we'll go for it. Three. Melian is decently hurt. <laughs> Alright, <laughs> so I'll go ahead and uh, lay on hands him for 15 hit points. Oof, nice. Alright, and then he'll get up and say, I apologize for being late, I thought more were coming. There's some weird sounds coming from upstairs and I don't really know how to explain them. That is not good. If this is a house of necromancy, we should perhaps see what is happening upstairs. I am reluctant to lose Parademos, but I do not see how he was able to exit this room. Uh, nor I. Perhaps I could do an investigation. Ah, uh, please, if you would, I would be most grateful. Cool, just heads up, uh, I'm at a minus one for this, so... A two. <laughs> <laughs> Melian, like, taps on things with his sword, and when they all make the same metal ringing sound, he's like, everything sounds like it is made of swords. Ooh, the walls are made of swords? That's brilliant. I know, very curious. Sasha, can you give me a free perception check? This is an auditory perception check. Was that what I think it was? It was really quiet, but you heard it, right? I did. I did hear it. Turn the volume up. I did real good. That was my nat 20 sound. Phalus, you hear it. It's really quiet. Thump, thump. Thump, thump. The heart's still beating. You guys? Yes, Phelan. The thing isn't dead. That is unsettling. What makes you think that? I can hear its heart beating. Well, uh, we'll have to stop that then. Uh, Melian immediately drives his greatsword, like, pulls the greatsword out of the ceiling and just flips it around and then drives it into the body on the floor. Put it in the heart. Can you give me a constitution saving throw? Oh, no. I'm at plus seven on these, so watch me roll a three. Oh, my God, I rolled a three, you guys. <laughs> no, no way. <laughs> <laughs> Maybe this is where we die. So, ten total. <laughs> That's incredible. As soon as I said I have a plus seven, I'm like, oh, I'm going to do badly on this roll. <laughs> That's how hubris works. <laughs> you reverse your blade, and you stab it down in. And as you stab it down, you see this burst of red blood come out, and then red light shines out of this and there is a small detonation a pulse 
of necrotic energy that shoots out. It's a good thing I got a little bit of healing. Melian will take the full brunt of this. Everyone else, uh, because you are not directly attacking thing, uh, are will take half damage from this. Luckily, it's only a small amount. You will take six necrotic damage as it pulses up the sword and out. And you see, as the pulse goes out, there's like a spurt almost as it tries to beat again, and then it goes silent. And the chest cavity immediately begins to rot inwards. Oh, gross. Sorry, uh, how much damage do we take? I was writing the note. I'm sorry. Melian took six. The rest of you take three necrotic damage. Oh, that hurt. Everyone all right? Define all right. How bad does Faleth look? <laughs> On a scale <laughs> of one to forty, imagine she looks like a ten. <laughs> Give me a moment, and that's what we call bringing it back around. That thing could have one-shot Faleth at this point. Yep. Yep. So Andre will kneel to Faleth and be like, I need to touch you to heal you. Is that all right? I mean, you did help us kill the ghost-eating thing, so I suppose I'm going to trust you now. So, yes. Right, he'll still... You see him kind of, like, be a little slow, but eventually, like, touches you, and you'll hear him say, First of the divine through me, your servant. Show us your mercy and compassion and heal these wounds. Can I just go ahead and send Kiru's twice on Faleth? Eight for the first one, and eleven for the second one. As, like, golden light kind of goes over you and heals your wounds. She sort of looks and goes, Alright then, I guess gods aren't completely useless, thing. Some of them. Oh, uh, you just endeared yourself so much to Phala, she looks at you like, <gasps> Okay, we're gonna be friends. Cory raises an eyebrow as if, like... I mean, no offense, Solaren. There are some. And you'll see him sigh. Oh, fanatics, I think is what you called them. Right? The ones that try to burn you and cut your hands off? You see him kind of raise an eye at Phyllis, like, I've never experienced that. People don't just try to burn you a lot. Phyllis and I have had that experience a few times. Yeah. For some reason, I, I get that reaction. People think I'm a necromancer. Are you? You are certainly not a necromancer. No, but I'm starting to consider it. Faileth. Wouldn't it be handy? No, it would not be handy. It would be completely unnatural. On par with a druid. You're such a racist, Melian. Depends on how you use it? I mean, I already tap into the energy of the undead. What's a little necromancy among friends? Melian will get the most perplexed expression on his face and turn to look at Andre, like, excuse me? Every time Andre opens his mouth, Payless likes him more. Did we just become best friends? <laughs> oh, did we? Yeah. Yes, we did. Plus, it's gonna be beautiful. I would like to explain some views, but we really don't have time for that. What's the more important things? Corey, there were three. I heard three footsteps upstairs, not one. Uh, but they didn't come charging down, so I don't know if they're associated with this thing. We should go and investigate. Let me quickly check this one's pockets. And Quarry is going to dig through 
the clothing of the thing we just killed. Uh, specifically, Quarry is interested in knowing whether any more of those uh, death metal coin things are on this body. This one is one of my people. One of your people, Melian. Indeed, you can tell from the tattooing around the upper arm, as well as the facial markings. Well, I suppose no race is immune to the lure that some find the promises of necromancy. I find it disturbing that another of my people is here in the city. Indeed. Hey, Cass, when I look at the body, does it... Melian's in his half-elven form right now, right? <laughs> oh, shit, I forgot. We're twins! We're twice! <laughs> does the dead body look like a elf or human? Uh, no, it, it looks like a human, but it has a bit more hair in some places. Uh, it has longer fangs. This is a, a long tooth shifter. And while it looks human-ish, it has some canine-ish features to it. Okay, he will look at Melian to see if he can see any canine features on him. Melian catches him looking and then just says, it is a long story. Oh, uh, another time then. He'll go pretty hair one of these days, and then you'll understand. That's so cryptic. <laughs> yes. Melian simply nods, like, yep, that explains it. All right, cool, moving on. Completely everything you ever needed to know. Does anyone know how Andrea look around to see if there's any way that looks like to get out of here? So while you're looking around, I'll deal with two other things. The first uh, is Quarry searching through the pockets of the sky. And Quarry, you don't really find much in his pockets. There's some scraps. There's some various, like, scraps of paper that have different symbols etched on them. There's a couple coins. There's three silver coins, uh, eight copper, and four gold. But quickly looking through it, none of it looks like it is like, actually, like, none of it has the necromancer's three-eyed skull. And the symbols on the paper, they don't... Like, there's no... Nothing from the Blissful Rebellion. There's nothing... Give me a religion check. Man, if only I could roll something reasonable. That's a 12. So, you don't recognize quite a few of them, but there is one that it's attached to, like, a bit of a prayer. And it is a symbol of Hadoom, the lord of storm and sky. I'll stuff the coins and the papers in my pocket. Part of it, see, is bloodstained. Otherwise, you don't really find anything on this guy that is noteworthy. Right. Melian, on the other hand, as you are, do you, have you pulled your sword out of this guy? Yes. So when you pull your sword out, you pull out on the tip of your sword, a blackened heart. It is humanoid size, but it is pitch black and it has been fitted with little bits of various types of metals, some silver and some gold. And 
after you pull it out, it like it slides off and slumps and breaks in half on the ground. Can I make a reflex check to catch it? Because Melian's going to try and offer it to one of the paladins to take back to their order to investigate. Go right ahead. Give me a dexterity sleight of hand check. That is a 17. A 14 plus 3. You can catch it. It squelches a bit in your hand. It is very unpleasant, but you catch it. Melian, with a completely like stone-faced, turns to the paladins. Paladins, would one of you perhaps like to take this back to have your order investigate? Yes, thank you, Melian. Uh, a quarry will rifle in their bag for a spare shirt to wrap it in. You probably can have a jar or something. Oh, good, yes. A jar sounds much better. Much, much better. If you don't have a jar in your inventory, let's say that there's a jar in this room somewhere that someone notices. Well, if we ever find a jar, we can make the door a jar. <laughs> <laughs> I do not have a jar in my inventory, so finding one in this room would be fantastic. Let's say you find one. And looking at it, can you please give me a religion check? Listen, that one just never even... You've never seen this before. Hmm. Okay. But that gold you were looking for? Mm-hmm. That funeral medal? Yeah. The gold on this heart? And the silver? Mm-hmm. They look like what those coins would have been made from. Yes, it will be good to have someone examine this. Thank you very much, Melian. Uh, indeed. I know a clue when I see one. And then Melian looks very pleased with himself. And so he should. Faileth pats him on the shoulder because she is also very proud of him. I love that we're like Shaggy and Scooby and neither of us really knows which one of the, uh, them we are. We switch places depending on the situation. <laughs> I really half expected you to give it to Faileth as a gift. Uh, so I thought about it, but she's not really about like squidgy, squishy live things like if it had been like a desiccated heart mummified yes mummified or bones or like fossilized besides she already told me she was really scared of this monster so William didn't want to ate the ghost perhaps we should see what is upstairs maybe we'll actually catch that damn gnome indeed perhaps if we are expecting to head into more combat uh Faileth and I might benefit from some if we if we have any more additional healing, or uh, I do have a... Oh, no, I'm basically at full now. Oh, in which case, I do have a potion I could drink. I got like 37 out of 40. I don't have very many hit points to begin with, honestly. Let me see if we can find something out now. Tend to you a million afterwards. Mm, indeed. So, Andre, as you look around the room, there are only two ways to get into this room and out of this room. One was created by Melian, a hole in the ceiling. The other is a ladder on the far side of the room that goes up into the dark. And about how high is the hole that we all jumped down through? The hole in the ceiling of this room is at approximately 10 feet. So if someone was on Quarry's shoulders or you just stacked two people together, you'd be able to help people out and up. Well, there's the ladder. Or the hole. Either is pretty viable. And then he'll walk over to Melian and I'll cast Cure Wounds on him. Oh, that was not that good. That was the other six. thing I should also remind you about, Andre, is I think you have a couple healing potions. Oh, yes, you're right. Okay, and then he'll go, 
If you want to not have done that, not used your last spell slot. No, he probably would still do that. And then say, uh, perhaps these will be useful and give each one of them a greater healing potion. What greater healing potion? I stalked the guest character. Thank you very much. What's a greater healing potion? What is the greater potion of healings? Dice roll? 44 plus 4. Nice. Shall we move upstairs? I think the ladder might be the best route. Yeah, Melian, because he's still pretty hurt, is going to drink the, not the greater healing, but the regular healing for the 2d4 for nine more points of healing. And that's all the potions with a, 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 that uh, Melian and Faelith own. Although Faelith may still be carrying one that she didn't drink her. No, I absolutely did not drink that. Yeah, so in which case... Will I remember it later? We had three, so if you can add that third one to your... Because I just drank, used two of them. We did own three. Oh, it's definitely in my inventory. Okay, good. Will I use it? Is the question. I mean, no, maybe not. That's that's fine, as long as we've accounted for it. I just didn't want one to d- disappear into the ether. No, it's in my uh, to my inventory. And then, Cass, while we're in the elevator, can I use Divine Sense right quick? Elevator? What elevator? Oh, sorry, ladder. I don't know why I said elevator. There's no hidden elevator. No. Wait, is that how Parademos escaped? The hidden elevator? It takes a key card, though, and we wouldn't. We don't have that. We're going to have to go fight a bunch of Team Rocket grunts. <laughs> I was going to say fight it on a dead police officer's corpse, but that works, too. Yeah. Uh, what will happen is we'll find a bunch of badges, but inside uh, the police officer badges will be thumb drives, and we'll have to plug those into a, a central computer. Very dumb Resident Evil mechanics. They were good back in the day, though. Well, give me the exact wording for Divine Sun. As an action, you can detect good and evil. Until the end of your next turn, you sense anything affected by the hollow spell or know the location of any celestial fiend and undead within 60 feet that is not... Oh, it's not behind total cover. That probably isn't going to help at all. Okay. But I'm still going to use it anyway. You are currently standing in an area that has been affected by the hollow spell. Uh, this ground has been hollowed. Most likely by the necromancer that created this thing. Cory will point at the body on the ground. Are these these cultists you spoke of? Yes, it seems the cult of bliss is at work here in Dwemer Hollow. The fact that we are in a cellar and Parademos has somehow escaped without us seeing him makes me think that perhaps we will find him under the ground with the children. We have yet to explore what is upstairs. It is possible that we misheard the direction of communication with Parademus. Yes, yes. We should see what is awaiting us. Melian will just jump up and grab the floor and then pull himself up. You can successfully do that. And then put his hand down for Faileth to jump up and grab. Uh, Faileth climbs monkey style up onto his back. (laughs) Onto his back, over Melian, sprawl onto the floor... Quarry, Andre, Carlin. Oh yes, I will pick up Carlin. He can ride on my shield some more. He will splay himself out. Andre is waiting to see which way Quarry goes. Up the ladder? You're going to go up the ladder instead of out the hole? <laughs> cool, because we now we split the party again. Oh, alright, never mind. I'll go up the hole. I mean, no, it's it, if you it, don't stop doing what you think your character would do just because it's splitting the party. That's hilarious. 
So, Quarry, are you going to go up the ladder or are you going up the hole? Um, I confess, I was reading about the Hallow spell and not actually listening. So, no, I will go up the hole. I didn't realize I wasn't the first person <laughs> making a choice. I will follow the rest of my companions. As a benefit now, you can tell us all, what does the Hallow spell do? <laughs> so, you can infuse an area with holy or unholy power. The area can have a radius of up to 60 feet, and um, certain types of creatures can't enter the area, and they can't charm, frighten, possess creatures within it. Anybody who's charmed, frightened, or possessed is no longer charmed, frightened, or possessed. Um, you can exclude one or more types of creatures from the effect, and you can also bind an effect to the area, and there's a list of different effects. Uh, for example, you could bind courage to the area so that affected creatures can't be frightened, or you could... Tongues is another one. Affected creatures can communicate with any other creatures in the area if they don't share a common language. So I'm not, I have no idea what they were using the Hallow spell for, but... Well, if it's unholy, it's probably the opposite of all these effects, I think, right? But we didn't... We weren't charmed or frightened or possessed. Yeah, but there was definitely an undead in there that we know of. Oh, Yeah. <laughs> And I hope nobody was possessed. Dun, dun, dun. Did anybody get any secret messages from cats? I mean, we wouldn't be able to tell you even if we had. <laughs> Spoopy. <laughs> Tis the season. Is there still, is there any noises still happening upstairs? Because Melly never. Now, there is a very loud sound as if something is gathering a whole bunch of power. It's a very specific sound this thing is making. Like an electric charge that is getting louder and louder. Yeah, Melian doesn't know what that means. He can hear noises and it sounds like it's crescendoing. And Melian recognizes that that's never good. So he breaks into a sprint, pulling out his, his javelin as he goes. His magic javelin, specifically the magic one. So you charge up the stairs, turning around the landing, charging up towards. Are you going to... The door is currently closed at the top. Are you going to... Smash through it smash through it uh give me just a strength athletics check <laughs> i rolled a one so that's a six total oh jeez! <laughs> you are just having a rough go tonight we are gonna die here oh good lord so melian collides with the door there's a really loud thump as he does and then he's gonna fall back down the stairs a bit not in a way that hurts him but enough that he falls back down to the main landing in a way that is very embarrassing it is very ex like, it's exceedingly embarrassing but as that thump happens as melian crashes to the ground and whatever sound he makes there is this sound like don't worry melian i'll break it down <laughs> melian coughs and is like no, I, I did that intentionally so that the the beast or whatever would fire its power at the the door, thinking I were there. Faileth is charging the door. I'm gonna do it for you, Melian. Faileth, as you are charging up the door, charging towards it, there is a sound. Not enough power! I'm gonna break it down! Give me a strength athletics check. Faileth runs up and kicks the door open. Kicks it off the hinges. Just busts in Kool-Aid Man style. Athletics, it's a plus zero, so this is all just dice, baby. <laughs> yes! 
just busted Kool-Aid Man style. Hilarious. <laughs> you loosened the jar, Millie, and it's uh <laughs> It's funny. Oh my gosh. So good. You can't make this up. Melian hit the door, went tumbling back down. Faileth is like, no, I'm gonna do it, and just charges. All four foot one of her. Faileth, it's not that you actually break the door off its hinges, that you kick it down. As you hit the door, the, like, bottom half of the door in the shape of Faileth turns to dust as she goes straight through it. Amazing. So there's the Faileth-shaped hole through this door. And Faileth, in front of you is a mad scientist's laboratory. There are two people in here that you can see from where you're standing. One of them is sort of hunched, uh, but is like, and is over by a set of what almost looks like, like a relay of some kind. Uh, like and a, a large switch and there's various things that are bubbling away and there is in the center of the room a table slightly tilted and on this table looks like a person that has been stitched together from various pieces of all different races and then off to one side there's a guy standing in robes uh, who has painted on his forehead a third eye. Faileth skids violently into the room, having absolutely not expected that to work. And goes, oh! You're not the gnome I want to kill! There's a stunned moment of silence between them. And then the one that is over by the switch, you see it just hits the switch again and looks at you and goes, Pretty girl... Pretty girl. She'll make a good next one. Hello. I like your body thing. That sound begins to gather again in this room. And you see that where the over top, that over top of like on the ceiling of this room, it's all like there's these bands of metal that are all sort of connected to this weird contraption that has a crystal in it. And this crystal begins to glow. And the other one goes, Quickly! Quickly! You shouldn't be here! You shouldn't be if here in... How did you get up here? What did you do to my door? I ran up. I just came up the stairs. And the door just opened to exactly my body, apparently. Sorry, I'm just trying to kill a gnome. Was there a gnome in here? As the one in the robes looks like he's about to say something, the other one goes, I think that one has maybe a, a body part from a gnome. Or maybe two. I think we gave it the ears of a no. Like, within the last ten minutes recently. Because if so, great. I'm done, I guess. No. I don't think so. 
Just so you know, I like your work. This place is cool. What are you making? This one just beams. Like, he smiles so big, and he's like, We're making bury. Cool. I'm into it. I'm into it. The other one. Don't tell her. No! You you should not be in here. You should be going back the way you came. There's no gnomes up here. None at all. No gnomes, for sure, definitely. You're not just hiding him. He turns and grabs a, like, a jar. And you can see there's something floating in the jar. And he goes, well, if you really want a gnome, here's part of one and tosses it at you. I uh, attempt to catch it. Everyone, roll initiative. (laughs) But first, do I catch the body part? Before we actually start initiative, I'm going to get you to roll just a straight dexterity check to try and catch it. Cool, cool. I got a plus two to that. Jesus Christ! (laughs) Feeling so good tonight. That's three! That's three today! The hell? I catch it so good. If I didn't have my noise, no one would believe me. Now the question is, have you recorded that noise and just press play on your phone when you... Yes, that's exactly what I'm doing. I am very devious and and sneaky. (laughs) 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 I have always known this about you, Sasha. I know. It's one of my greatest weaknesses. (laughs) My desperate need to win (laughs) D&D. What'd I get? Well, it's okay, because the rest of us are going to roll, like, ones. Well, I rolled a three on my initiative, so... My initiative is a eight. I have a 17 on initiative. I have a 10 on initiative. Carlin got a 12. So, Faileth, as this jar hurdles towards you, you just reach out perfectly. You sort of catch it in a, like, a, catching it like a football and sort of, like, ducking, like, taking it so that it doesn't smash against you as you sort of like take the momentum down and buoy up and in this jar floating in a greenish liquid is a head of a gnome is it the gnome we want no but it looks at you and see and it starts screaming Fela looks like her birthday has come disembodied head this is so cool see I knew I should be a necromancer I've been seeing Melian you're prone at the bottom of the stairs. As this conversation Faileth has been having has happened, you've stood up from prone. And we're not going to count that as your part of your movement for this turn. So you've got your full movement, everything. But there's a Faileth-shaped hole in the door up there. Well, it sounds like she's talking to a necromancer. And that seems very dangerous. So Melian, with a quick, like, kind of apologetic glance... At Andre will turn into Faileth so that he can go through the Faileth shape hole uh, and end up in the room. And then um, try and spot who the, the who the um, necromancer is and then throw the javelin at it. There is a guy in a dark robe. He has a third eye painted onto his forehead and then there is a guy that looks to be more in like it's not cultist robes it's more like tattered clothing who is over by a switch 
and he's beaming with like this massive smile to Faleth. And he doesn't look necessarily like he's all there. Uh, right. So the guy with the third eye painted on his forehead, who I will throw my, my javelin at. Strike away. I'm going to attack recklessly for a 16. That will hit. Five piercing damage, and I will use its second charge to teleport over. And that'll, that'll expend it for the day, I think. Which means I get to attack it a second time for a 12. That will still hit. For five more piercing damage. And then my second attack will be a 16 for three points of damage, because I rolled a one. All piercing, by the way, in case that is important. You will pin cushion this guy. There are now holes. He is bleeding profusely. He looks like he's probably on death's door. You have severely hurt him as he stumbles back and lets out a cry, and his assistant sort of makes this, like, is looking at him and at you, and two pretty girls. Oh, yeah. We're twice! It's Carlin's turn now. I think Carlin is going to keep hanging out with Quarry and will hold their action to be distracting when Quarry manages to eventually get into the room, if we do it this round. Sounds good. Now it's the assistant's turn. He's going to use his action to use an object, and he's going to hit the switch again, and the crystal flares brighter, but it doesn't discharge. Then he's going to go, We can make more with the two of you. You're so pretty. We are, aren't we? Melian, and I have no idea what this guy is on about, but this room is cool. Look at my head in a jar. The head in the jar is screaming. Andre, it's your turn. All right, I just saw Melian Faileth run up there, so he will follow suit. And is the door locked? Yes. It was never locked. <laughs> Of course it wasn't. Of course it wasn't. <laughs> also, the door's not locked. It is not, no. Or, if it was locked, you could reach through the Phalus-sized hole to unlock it. But, <laughs> it was never locked. I mean, I wasn't trying to break it open because I thought we didn't have access. Let's try to break it open for dramatic entrance purposes. It made part of this episode so great. Phalus just wanted to avenge you. Oh, uh, that was amazing. And he'll step into the room. I don't know how much movement I have left after that and where everyone else is. Faileth is about five, ten feet into the room at most. She's holding a jar that's screaming at her. It doesn't, it's not really making much sound because, like, it ran out of air a long time ago. And it, yeah. There is another version of Faileth that is holding Melian's spear that is stabbing this guy in cultist robes. There's this stitched-together body laying on a table, and then there's this guy who's just, like, his mouth sort of a bit slack-jawed, just looking around, smiling. And he keeps saying, pretty girl. Pretty girl. Melian is muttering something, like, y you will not hurt my, my the girl. Because he's, it's very important that he, re he remembers reflexively to say things in the right accent in this button. I don't see a third person because I thought I saw heard three people, right? You really thought you heard three people. There's only two that you can see. All right, so Faileth B 
is got uh, the other guy. How far is the crazy looking guy? Or the other guy from me? The guy that is sort of slack jawed. Uh, he's about 15 feet from you. Would I be able to close the distance? I definitely want to go over there and... Stop him from pulling the lever. Uh, what do you mean by pretty girls? As you say, what do you mean by pretty girls? He points and goes, Two pretty girls. And he has his hand on the next lever. I think I need you to come with me. I don't think I have anything I can do to completely restrain him. You must be carrying handcuffs or something as the part of the city guard, right? So, to put manacles onto someone, you first need to restrain them. So, you're going to need to grapple him. If you're going to do that, then you can put them on. Unless he's not resisting you, but if you go to try and put them on, he'll definitely swing his other hand away and it will turn into a grapple. Alright, yep, I will attempt to grapple him then, since he doesn't seem like he's really that threatening at the moment. But I'll try and grapple him right now. You go to grapple him, and it's a special melee attack. Instead of an attack roll, you make a strength athletics check. That's just what you make, and then he'll make either a strength athletics or a dexterity act. Oh, okay, so the defender, they can choose which elf, which one they want. Okay, 24. You will successfully grapple this guy. As part of this grapple, do you want to try and, like, move him away from the... Yes. Okay, you do. It's so easy. He leaves his hand behind on the thing, but you do get him away from it. But, you mean, oh, okay, so is he still grabbing onto the lever? This place is my new favorite place. Well, his arm ends in a stump. Is he also a Frankenstein's monster? We don't know that his name is Frankenstein. <laughs> so to picture this, I essentially would have thought that I ripped his hand off of the lever. As you sort of like grabbed him to pull him bodily away from this, you've definitely bodily pulled him away. Part of his body that didn't want to go with you stayed behind. Okay, I'll assume I don't notice it right now since I'm trying to be like, okay, now come here, just put your hands... You're like, I don't notice, but I immediately talk about his hands. As you're holding him with one arm, you're trying to get your the manacles out. And next turn, you can use your action to try and get the manacles onto him as long as he doesn't escape. And at that point, you probably will realize that he's missing a hand. Faileth, it's your turn. Man, I just want to live here. This is the best place. But she's not entirely sure that she should hurt these people. Like, they haven't done anything to her. I mean, one of them's a necromancer. And, and as far as Melian's concerned, he threw a jar at you. Yeah, he gave me a cool head. Well. I'm just saying from Faileth's perspective. Oh, sure, yeah. She's like, I don't know. These guys are pretty great. Hey, if we just, like, leave you alone and go look for our gnome guys, is that an option? Because... I think you're actually pretty great, and I'd rather not kill you today, but I mean, I will if I have to. As the assistant is being grappled and moved around by Andre, he, he's he got this, like, insanely big smile, and he's like, Pretty girl likes me. I do. You're, you're pretty sweet. You're weird, and I love that your hands come off, and I don't know. This place is awesome. I found my people. 
And the other one, he's coughing up blood probably at this point. Where? Two! Hey there. This one is practicing necromancy. What is that? Is that supposed to be my accent? We've talked about this million. This is exactly what you sound like. That's rude. Like, that's hurtful. That hurts my feelings when you do that. Do I have to kill him? I suppose I have to kill him. No, but we should probably dis... disarm. (laughs) Anyway, Melian laughs at his own joke that he accidentally made. That's the end of his advice. Okay, tell you what, almost dead necromancer. I'm going to... He's not near any of his gadgets right now, right? Next to him and behind him is basically like a wall full of jars. And they're various body parts. If you get get closer, you might see other things amongst them. Uh, So it depends what you mean by tools. Okay, so you're going to come over here and stand with me for a little bit. And if you resist, I'm going to use my dark magics to style your soul. Okay, cool. Uh, and I'm going to walk over to him and take both his hands and, like, try to pull him towards the door. He's currently being, like, skewered by Melian Faleth? Like, actively. Oh, I know. <laughs> and I'm sure it'll pull the javelin out as we go. I'm trying to stop Melian from killing him. He's definitely coughing up blood. He probably swears at you because, like, oh gosh, he's being killed by little girls. He is resisting you. Hey, fine. I will try to pull him off the javelin, hoping that it will hurt him enough to, like, knock him unconscious, but not kill him. (laughs) Did you try and make my weapon non-lethal? Yes. By pulling it out of him. Okay, cool. It will hopefully do enough damage to not outright kill him. But I don't have any spells that will not just, like, fully kill him. (laughs) I'm trying to think about how to make this work. Oh, did you put the head down? Oh, no, it's mine now. How are you bringing him with if you've got, like, a big jar, like a head-sized jar? It's not something I can tuck under my arm. It's a gnome-sized head jar. Yeah, you could tuck it under your arm, but you still probably only then realistically have one arm to use. Okay, I've left it by the door, but he's not getting it back. It's mine now. Hopefully Quarry doesn't smash it. Mine now. So how are you imagining this should work? Is he resisting me? Oh, he's totally resisting you. Maybe we should have a strength contest to see if me pulling him off is stronger than him trying to not let me pull him off. Yeah, let's do a strength athletics check. Cool. My plus zero to that is gonna get... Gonna go real well. This, this got weird. I don't know. I just feel bad killing him. He never hurt. He didn't hurt us. Yeah, but you don't have to pull him off like that. Well, yeah, but I, I'm, I'm trying to subdue him. <laughs> Where's the counter ever? Man, I'm rolling so good. It's an 18. This is going to be over before Quarry even gets in the room. He got a 19. He got a 19? Oh, no. Oh. Does he push himself deeper into the javelin? Brian, can you just roll damage for the javelin again? Yes. I mean, either way, we're hurting him more, so sure. Seven points of piercing damage. But, like, Melian is seeing that Faleth is trying not to kill this guy. Melian will, like, yeah, all right, cool. So Melian will be also trying not. I mean, I know know we're, we're stuck in the temporal limbo of having to do things in initiative. But, like, as soon as Faleth begins this gambit, 
he and Faileth have worked together enough that he knows what she's trying to do and will try attempt to assist. I will let that, the intent behind that, give Faileth advantage. You have one more chance, Faileth. Just gonna roll a 20. Yep. Can I get my fourth nat 20 of the night? No, but it is another 18. Alas, as he realizes that you're trying to take him, like, he realizes that you're probably trying to take him alive. Yes, I don't want you to die. You seem cool. This look comes over his face, and he closes his eyes. And, uh, and as he does, he utters, I will have eternity. And then he's going to push himself onto Melian's javelin. And he only had seven HP left. No! Quarry, a paladin made for one purpose, to kill necromancers, gets one chance to kill a necromancer. And what happens? We killed her before she got even got in the room. Don't even know what's happened. I haven't even seen anything. I'm just gonna... Well done, everybody. You've taken my lessons well. <laughs> yes, we killed the Cult of Bliss wherever we find them. Thank you. He was so cool. Technically, he killed himself, so... Ah, uh, no, we get that experience regardless. Blood gushes out of his mouth as he pulls himself on, and with a ragged breath, he'll say one last thing, and he'll say... Eternity waits. I'll see you all again. I'm coming, mistress. And then he will fall back, slumping off of the javelin. Quarry, I believe I have defeated a necromancer, and his last words mentioned a mistress. What's that? It was meant to be that guy's turn next, so he doesn't get to hurl any more jars at people. Instead, Kari, it's your turn. Oh, are we still in initiative? I come into the room and see that the necromancer is dead and the other guy is subdued and, and there's nobody else in this room, right? N not that we can see, apparently. Give me a free perception check. Why can I not roll anything worthwhile? With advantage, because Carlin is helping. Oh, yes. Thank you, Carlin. Please point out something that I can't see. I rolled the same thing. <laughs> <laughs> it's an 11. Oh, the dice always have a story. And they want Fela to do really well on completely inconsequential things today. <laughs> like going through doors that aren't locked. That are not locked, yes. We're not going to get any good rolls on anything important, but I am going to get really great rolls on bullshit, apparently. <laughs> and Melian will just get bad ones. You're going to have great rolls for roleplay purposes and nothing else. Yeah. Yeah, so that's an 11. As you come into the room, Carlin's eyes dilate as he looks at the, at the light that's gathering on the ceiling. As this light on this contraption that's pointed down at this body stitched together as it begins to glow brighter you see Andre has subdued this guy and has him sort of like off it's like wrestling a bit with him and the light glows brighter I'm imagining this whole setup doesn't look like something that Quarry would be familiar with oh gosh no but I see the hand on the handle. 
No, unfortunately not. I just rolled really badly. I assume is why I don't see that, right? Yeah. Okay, I am going to go knock the body off the table. As a Goliath, with a 19 in strength, you can push drag or lift about 140 pounds, so you can certainly sweep the body off the table. It will fall to the floor and come apart at the stitching in certain places, body parts spraying outwards. I should say, not like splaying myself over so that I'm about to be electrocuted by the thing, but like tipping the table kind of a deal. Okay, so you want to fully like flip the table kind of thing? Yeah, I want, like, the body and the table away from the glowing gem thing. As you you flip the table, the guy goes, No! Not furry! With this, like, look of really unhappy on his face, there is a flash of light. And... A bolt of energy seethes from the thing, from the contraption on the ceiling, to the ground. And it burns a five-foot square hole through the ground. Oh, okay. Through the floor of this attic room. Super glad I wasn't standing there. And you see now, because right before that, you heard a click. Okay. Distinctive chink sort of sound. Hmm. You see a hand that is attached to a bit of an arm scurrying away from the array of levers. Oh. It's heading towards the door. And as it scurries, that is where we'll end the session. Thank you for listening to Roll With Adventure, where we bring you this story from our imagination to your ears. If you liked what you heard, please subscribe for future episodes, rate us where you get your podcast, and visit us at www.rollwithadventure.com. If you'd like to contact us, you can write us at dm at rollwithadventure.com. Our intro and outro music is Brave by Arcane Anthems. Thanks for the components of this episode's soundscapes. Go to zapsplat.com, Purple Planet Music, and Arcane Anthems. Full credits are in the episode description. I was just waiting for someone else to talk, but nobody's doing it, so I guess I'll go. QX Wales song. That's the Twilight Zone. Yeah, I know, but that was the first one I thought of. I did mention grandparents, right? Brian, you're muted if you're talking. Oh, well, that'll make that joke way less funny. <laughs> I was like, I was like on a scale of, if you imagine health as a scale of like one to 9,000, I'm like a 80 to 46. Because you rolled badly on the check is the joke here. <laughs> Tough crowd. I thought it was funny. I laughed. It's really hilarious. With your terrifying laugh. How rude. How dare you tell Sasha her laugh is terrifying? My laugh is charming. <laughs>
I mean, your real laugh's pretty good, I'll give you that. <laughs> yes. Your real laugh is lovely. It's just because I love you. My computer just flashed me the I need to restart, and you told me to restart whenever, and I want to restart now. Um, I told it not now, but who knows when that... Windows has been very bad lately about having warnings that you cannot... It'll just be like, I'm restarting, and you're on your own. So, heads up, I'm on a timer now, and it's an unknown length. <laughs> no. <laughs> the unknown timer is the deadliest. It shouldn't be 8.48, so I should have longer than 15 minutes, theoretically. And it may not come up again. That would be great. But, uh, who knows? Fingers crossed. If it does, just yell to Sasha. <laughs> yeah. And we'll wait for you. So you are all now... Possessed. <laughs> so I'm just messaging all of you on Discord something. Uh, just don't tell anyone what you get. <laughs> no. <laughs> Excuse me, I didn't get a message. You didn't? Oh, that's weird. You're fine. Don't worry. You're not the doppelganger. <laughs> <laughs> this time.